Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Irish Boxing Forum. This is episode number seven and my name is Steve Wellings from Irish Boxing Review. I'm joined today by Derek McKenna and Johnny Stapleton from irishboxing.com. Derek, how's it going? Oh, good, Steve. Thanks very much. No problem. That's great to have you on. And Johnny, as always, great to have you on. How are Not you? Not too bad, Steve. Thanks. Lovely jubbly. Well, there's only one place to start this week, guys. Uh, this was on Saturday night in the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn, New York, where Andy Lee and Peter Quillen fought out a draw, um, a, uh, a draw over 12 rounds. And these final scores actually were 113-112 to Lee, 113-112 to Quillen, and a 113-113 apiece from Glenn Feldman. Now, this was a non-title bout, obviously, due to Quillen not making the weight. Derek, uh, the WBO title should have been on the line. For whatever reason, Peter Quillen was unable to make the weight, even though he's made middleweight many times before. We know that he had a bit of a layoff and everything. Um, we're assuming that the whole weight thing was genuine. D- did it detract from the event at all, or from the main event, or from Lee's you know, performance or anything, the fact that the title wasn't on the line, or was it just a, a good fight between two world-class competitors in the end? Um, I think, it, like, for, the, for some of the neutrals, it would have definitely detracted from it, because it's, like, it's no longer from, for a world title fight. I know even in um, in the kind of mainstream press, the, you know, it did detract a little bit. But then you have some people saying as well that, you know, oh, well, Lee still keeps the title, so, it's, so it was a good thing going into the fight. I think it, it detracted a little bit because... Um, you do feel like there's less on the line. I, I know Lee said, you know, you still have reputations on the line and stuff like that, but, you know, there is definitely a little bit less riding on it. And then with Quillen coming in over the weight, which is kind of, you know, extremely unprofessional. Uh, you know, you're, you're after um, uh, vacating the title and and then, you know, you're looking to win that title back and then to come in over the weight just seems really crazy for me. You know, I said at the time, I think I put a tweet out there saying I wouldn't have been surprised if Al Heyman paid him so there'll be no belts being displayed in the ring because we know he doesn't like the, uh, the belts being displayed. Well, um, <laughs> uh, maybe that's being a bit too sceptical. You know, <laughs> yeah. cynical. But uh, I don't know, does it take too much away from the fight? You know, the fight was the fight. It was still two fighters in the ring having, having to, to box off against each other. But it, it did make it a little bit disappointing that there was no title on the line. I think it, it definitely took away from the fight a little bit. I... I didn't actually score the the bout myself. I don't really score them these days. I just sit back and enjoy the the spectacle, as it were. I, I had the feeling that it was a very close fight, Johnny. We know that Andy got knocked down in the first round, and he got knocked down very heavily in the first round. Now I know I'm very, I'm always very critical of these sort of British referees, but I couldn't resist the old dig last night, sort of saying if that was in a ring somewhere else, there's a chance that <laughs> Lee might might have been stopped. You know that he might not have made it out the first round. Now, I mean, the referee wasn't infallible himself in this one, because I know on your site, for example, it, you know, there's a story that he admitted that the second knockdown in the third round, which I didn't really have a problem with. I could see why he gave it, but the referee apparently has admitted afterwards that he got that one wrong, Johnny. Is that right? He didn't even think it himself afterwards. It was a knockdown, but that that made it, had a major bearing on the outcome. It, it did, but and um, you know, everybody highlighting it. But I think when you look at Lee's reaction and his reaction himself. He was basically saying it was a fair result, and he probably understood why, you know, the ref gave it, and he wasn't, he wasn't kicking up a fuss about it. Um, maybe he probably would have said more if he lost, but um, he didn't seem too deterred about it. And even when it happened at the time, he was he was more smiling than 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 trying to attack the referee or anything like that. And it didn't um, really affect him as in terms of he, he kept his composure and he was 
he's still trying to counter punch throughout the fight. He wasn't thinking, I need to get two knockdowns back here. You know, he was he, he, he was chasing the fight, but not to the degree of, of throwing caution to the wind. Um, and afterwards, you, you have to go on his reaction. He called the draw a fair result. And talk, Derek talked about the, the title not being on the line. I think maybe leading up the hour or two before, you're thinking, is this going to detract for it? But once it gloved off, um, it mightn't have been a barnstormer, but it was intriguing and it was definitely tense to watch. I don't know whether because we're biased and we're watching from Irish uh, point of view. Um, but it was a really intriguing uh, fight and really an enjoyable watch, even if it wasn't a, 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 a Gaddy Ward or anywhere near like it. But it was really a, an intriguing chess match. Um, and like a heavyweight fight to a degree uh, where, you know, it, it were just who lands first or who lands the big bomb is, and, and both were looking for it. Derek Andy was saying on RTE on the on the website there that he felt the draw was a fair result. He doesn't seem to be arguing too much. I suppose because the belt wasn't on the line, he, he had something. You know, he's he still got something to fight for, regardless of the outcome. I know Andy's the, the ultimate professional, and he probably wasn't thinking about it that way. But whenever he, even though he struggled early on in the fight, he was boxing his way back in as the as the bout carried on. But whenever he knocked Quillen down in the seventh round, did you feel the tide was turning? Did you think then that Andy was going to go on and win the bout? Maybe Quillen was seriously tiring himself; he would be able to stop him. Or was that was that a turning point in the way things were going? Do you think? I I think from from six on, um, I think we were watching at a box nation at the time, and they said he was he was six six points down at that stage, and. My kind of perspective then was if he just upped his work rate a tiny bit, he would pick off the rounds. And I know Johnny was watching here with me. He, Johnny was screaming for him to up the work rate and, and find an knockout punch and saying that was, that was the only way he was going to win it. But I was saying if he, if he keeps on nicking the rounds, nicking the rounds, and I think I did say it in round six, he'll get a draw out of this. Um, and then obviously when he got the knockdown in, in round seven, you could potentially then, you were saying, Jesus, if he gets another lockdown, he could win it. And I think... A draw probably was a fair result, but then when you do take into account um, the the bad knockdown in, in round three, that probably shouldn't have been one. Um, potentially, he, he could have won it. Like, but I suppose if you, if you if you're if you if you take a step back and uh, and assess the fight over twelve rounds, a draw was a fair result by, by looking at the twelve rounds. But potentially, Lee could have won it if if that wasn't called as a, a knockdown in, in round three. I think it's worth mentioning um, Adam Bild in the corner as well, as Derek was saying. I had a few drinks on me now, so when I was saying that too, we both did. <laughs> but uh, but Derek, as you say, you're thinking, come on, you might need a knockdown here, or you, you might need a stoppage. But Adam Bild, obviously more intelligent than us, it, you know, kept him calm. And I think in one of the, the rounds he asked, do I need to go all out here? And he was saying, no, you just need to... Yeah, I think in round 10, I think you know, maybe we heard wrong, as I said, there was drink taken, but from what I... Kind of thought I heard was Lee said, "Do I need to go all out here, or do I need to knock the, the knockout?" And Adam Boot said, "No, no, you don't. Just keep boxing or, or something like that." And we were saying, "No, you do. Need, you do." Need. <laughs> but uh, it probably was the right strategy from from Adam Boot to, to just kind of keep on boxing. And um, I, I still feel he could have done a tiny little bit more. I know it was like that chess max where both of them were waiting, and they, like you, you could see they were both bangers, and you know they were kind of afraid to. To get in too close to each other, it was you know it was that type of chess match. But um, I, I felt if Andy had upped it slightly a little bit more, he probably would have won it. Would have won it uh, a little bit clearer, I suppose. And um, but then again, if he had got in it closer, he might have been caught again. So it was it was it was intriguing and it was very tense to watch. Um, and it's great to see uh, 
an Irish fighter go to that stage and, and prove again world class like that's the, the the top level the highest stage against the former undefeated champ that has never been put down he dropped him and you know it's great now that we have we can confirm we have two you know top level world class operators two world champions out there and you know all credit to Andy as well considering where he was a year before he was fighting I think to the day Frank Harte. Um mm-hmm. I think he did he did he fight Dean Bourne, Steve, at one stage out. Frank Horty, let me get it out. Frank Horachi Horty, I think he gave Dean Byrne his first loss, didn't he, on Box Nation? For Frankie Gavin and things, so to go from fighting him to fighting at that stage, live on American Terrestrial TV, um, and proving his world class again, it's just great for Irish boxing, and great for Andy, who's one of the nicest blokes out there too. Considering, uh, I'll just put this one out there actually, considering Quillen's struggles at the weight, does anyone surprised that Andy didn't work the body a bit more? I, um, I, I never even entered my mind during the fight. I, I, it makes sense now that you say it now. Were you screaming at the telly for him to work the body? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Because yeah. he landed a really good body shot around the 6th or the 7th. I think it was a right hook to the body. And it sort of took the window as Quillen sails. And I thought, oh, there we go, here we are. But he, he didn't throw many before and he didn't throw many after. I was just wondering. I think it was that thing that they were, like, as I said, I don't know whether afraid is the right word, but both of them were, were reluctant to get in as close to each other. So probably Andy couldn't work the body because... You know, as soon as he got in close, he kind of had to get back out of there again. It was, it was, it was a really cagey affair. Um, I know one or like I seen one or two people saying on on Twitter that it was probably one of the best fights they've seen at, at uh, middleweight in a long time. I wouldn't quite agree with that. It wouldn't be. I'm more of a kind of an all action, uh, get in and uh, throw at each other. But it, it was definitely interesting to watch. It was and it was so cagey. It was, you know, you at any moment anything could have happened. You know, you could sense someone going down again and again during during the fight. What did you make of the weight issues, Steve? I thought it was a strange one. My initial reaction was sort of scepticism, like you guys were saying, um, with, regarding the whole PBC thing. It's no secret that Al Heyman is sort of trying to carve out his own little niche within the sport, mm. and he, he, he stopped all the things that we're familiar with, like the ring the ring walk. So I think they did bring back ring walk music, uh, and they were it, discussing... It a was bit. mad. <laughs> they, they couldn't choose their own music, apparently, Steve, as well. Is that right? So, so they did bring it back, but it wasn't of their choosing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they, apparently, they, I thought they would completely blank the whole WBO thing. The fact the title wasn't on the line, the fact that Quillen hadn't made weight, but uh, apparently the TV people did mention it, and, and it wasn't sort of brushed under the carpet. I thought Al Heyman wanted to bring in his own belts and all this type of stuff, so they would say, you know what, we've pushed the belts to one side for the other fights. It doesn't matter whether the WBO belt's not on the line. And, and and it was that sort of thinking. I wouldn't go so far as to say that Quillen, you know, deliberately didn't make weight, but it was strange how he suddenly couldn't make weight now, whereas he always has done before. Maybe the pressure wasn't on him so much with Heyman and the PBC people not being so fussed on the belts mm-hmm. and, you know, that maybe there wasn't that same sort of pressure, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, it, the, it doesn't the, hurt Andy at the end of the day. In the two hours, he did he did try and boil down. It wasn't his... Exactly, he, yeah. So he did make yeah. an effort well, that way. It was, it was an awful lot over the weight, though, wasn't he? Like, to become in a, what was it, a pound and six over, like... Uh, uh, you know, I can't lose that in two weeks. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? It was so much that you know. Yeah, it, it just seemed an awful lot to come in over. Like a pound, a pound and a half is, is an awful lot to come in over. You know, you can you can understand someone. We've seen it before at weigh-ins. Uh, you know, you'll always get someone come in a few ounces over, and go, it's easy to go off and whip off your uh, boxers. Yeah, yeah, whip off the boxes, or even go into the sauna for an hour, and you'll you'll sweat that out of you. But a pound and a half is an awful lot. So how do you not know, even the day or two before? 
that you're you're coming in well over, like you know, be sure you. Well, I don't know. I'm not. I've never tried to make weight like that before, so I don't really know the ins and outs of it. But it just seems to me to be a huge amount to come in, to come in over uh, on the on the but on the way. There was talk that the ten pound limit then the next day is gone because it wasn't a title fight. Um, so who knows what he could have blown up? Yeah, to which him. could have been a, a factor. Someone was suggesting too. So um, maybe that was in Lee's mind as well at some stage in the fights as well. He certainly looked an awful lot bigger than Lee. I know Lee always looks kind of skinny at the weight and so far as he's, he's tall, but like um, Quillen definitely looked a lot pudgier, I suppose, for want of a better word, than, than Lee in there and stronger and kind of more imposing. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to affect him more than, than Lee. I mean, it didn't give him, it gave him the advantages maybe early on or whatever, but it, definitely down the stretch he, he was starting to fade. But uh, I, I know people are sometimes critical, I will say this, about like the judges and the officials and the referee, myself included, I'm one of the biggest um, culprits of that, but fair play to them in that I thought to myself, there's no way they're going. You know, they're going to give this to Quillen. It's going to be a two or three point margin. But they gave it the draw. They didn't go with the sort of home fighter. Everybody seemed happy enough with that. And I think in the third round, whenever it was a slip, one of the one of the officials actually went a ten nine. Yeah, yeah I think only. Yeah. You know, so he, he took into account the fact that he thought. You know, you know the way sometimes the, the American judges. I know this is sort of generalising, but they would go ten point more system if he's down. It's a ten eight regardless. Mm-hmm. So, you know the way they don't like scoring even rounds and things like that. But they didn't. He, he went. One of the judges did go with. He took into account the fact he thought it was a slip. So, you know, fair play to them on that on that regard. I agree, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually mm-hmm. surprised when I stayed because I thought I, I didn't know the ins and outs and that, and I thought once the referee counts, I thought you had to give a ten eight round as far as like you know once you've been down. Um, so I was surprised to see the scorecard and see a ten nine. So fair play to the judge for actually doing it because I don't know which card that was. Was that the one who gave it the draw? The um, I have the cards up in front of me actually. It was, uh, the, it was the middle judge, I think, of the three. Yeah, no. I think it was Glenn Feldman. It was the it was the judge who gave it a draw. Yeah, yeah so if he hadn't if he had gave it a ten eight round, the, the fight would have went to to Quillen. Like so, um, it's kind of in that sense, it's lucky that he, he did, and lucky for Lee he got the draw in that sense. But um, so fair play to him for kind of taking a step out there and doing that one. I know, like it was. I don't know whether you were looking at, at Twitter on on the night stage. There was people like Dan Raphael who had. Quillen six rounds up going into the yeah he had him one sixteen one ten I think was Raphael's final scorecard yeah I thought, I thought that was fairly outlandish like you know maybe on on a different night you might have given like a, a point to Quillen or two points to Quillen or, or you know something like that I I potentially even would have given it to Lee um because I know I gave Lee one of the earlier rounds that everybody else was given to Quillen but I thought he just done a little bit extra work. But to give it to six rounds to Quillen, I thought was especially when you take into account that the last six rounds, Quillen done, you know, his work rate dropped completely. You know, I know some people call him a lazy fighter, but I think it might have been something to do with the weight as well. But he he didn't he hardly thrown anything in the last few rounds. Mm-hmm. No, definitely so. No, I think Dan Raphael's scorecard was um, a bit out of order on this occasion. I wouldn't I wouldn't have agreed with that at all. So we know he's got the Quillen fight out of the way. We're obviously looking on to what's coming next. The fight that we think is going to happen, but nothing is ever, obviously ever set in stone in this sport, is the Billy Joe Saunders fight, whether it will take place over here, maybe in Limerick or Dublin, John, or whether John, Frank, Frank Warren will put it over in London. Johnny has his dream card set out already. I'll let him give yeah, it to you. See. Go on then, Johnny. Go no, ahead. Let's hear it. It's not going to happen, but I'd love to see uh, uh, Lee, Saunders, Spike, Eubank, and if Danny Matthews wins that interim belt, Matthews Armand. Um, but he definitely won't put the tree on. But I have a I have a feeling if he does make it in Ireland, you'll see Spike and Eubank Junior on the 
on the undercard. Um, I don't, I don't know about Saunders' appetite for the fight. Though. I think Warren wants that that Eubank rematch more. So Lee could get another voluntary in between if he wanted. Um, I have that feeling. I don't know, you know, some of the stuff that both have been saying that um, I think they could nearly do the Eubank rematch before. I don't know what you think. So I think so. Saunders does have a fight lined up. Is he not fighting Carson Jones at some point? They, they're both fighting on May the ninth. Right, right. The same card, and so they're definitely building towards a rematch. And um, Derek was saying today that you could still do that rematch even if Lee beats Saunders. But I have a feeling that Warren seems to want to do that one first. Wonder why that is. I mean, I mean Saunders the, uh, kind of avoided everyone, didn't he? Like he didn't. Yeah, he's turned down that many shots. Surely he can't. He can't turn down another shot. You wouldn't have thought. He's saying, "Oh, it's all about money, this and money that." But I wonder if they're just a bit wary of him. Um, I think Lee beats him fairly handily, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think he's wary. Exactly, he's wary of him for that very reason. Yeah. I think Andy and you know Saunders talking about fading de- as the rounds go on, like Quillen did. Saunders is definitely a fader down the stretch. Definitely. And if I mean after the, I wouldn't be too quick to take the the Eubank rematch if I was him because the impression I don't know what you think about this, Derek. But the impression I got after Saunders Eubank was that Saunders had sort of found his level and he wasn't going to get any better. Whereas Eubank gave me the impression that he could improve. And if there were to rematch, I would strongly favour Eubank to. Win. Well, Eubank definitely won the second half of the fight, and like it was like as if in that fight that Eubank done nothing for the first probably four rounds, was it four or five? Yeah, done yeah. literally nothing. So if if Eubank just ups his ups his game in the early part of the fight, and then you know, as you said, that um, Billy Joe is going to fade out towards the end, you could you could definitely see Eubank um, winning that one on points if it came to a rematch. Um, I I don't know. I probably disagree with Johnny. I can see. Um, a big kind of, I think it's going to happen in Tolman Park, just being kind of, you know, Adam Booth put out a tweet there today saying, was it today yes, or yesterday yes. saying Billy Joe against uh, Andy, and he put a picture of Tolman Park up there. I think it would be, and I think you would see uh, Spike and Eubank because there's definitely, if you watch the press conference last week, the double press conference where they're co-headlining, most of the questions going towards Eubank were directed around Spike. They weren't about mm-hmm. the guy he's fighting. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we're hearing a lot of kind of rumours that, um, you know that fight is still, even though it was torn down and it didn't come off um, for in the short term, it's definitely going to happen in the long term. The Spike and Eubank one, so uh, I think it would be the perfect build. Those two kind of co-headline big fights. Um, I think you'd probably need another few kind of ticket sellers on to to sell out Tomlin Park. I don't know what type of event or what type of capacity they're going to. You know, it does hold something like twenty odd thousand for a rugby game, twenty six thousand, I think. But you obviously you could cut that down a little bit. Um, you know, the two stands I think mm-hmm. hold fifteen thousand, and then you could kind of put some on the pitch. But um, you know, it potentially could be a great one in August. But then there's also the questions about Lee's jaw. Wasn't there a lot of people saying that he injured his jaw during the fight? The other night, the, the doctor checked it. I think in round five. Oh, I didn't hear that now. Yeah, doctor, I thought it was the cut. Was that when the doctor got up and sort of pulled him back when the round was yeah, about to start? Yeah, that was it. They checked his jaw, and then at the end of the fight, I don't know whether it's just the way Lee is kind of his mouth hangs, but it definitely looked like there was something wrong with his jaw, and the way his kind of his mouth was kind of hanging half open. So I'm I'm not sure. A lot of people have been saying that, but there's been no official confirmation of whether he actually injured it or, or how bad it is or or anything like that. So that would have to be taken into account as well. That's probably why they're trying to push it back to August rather than isn't it ninety day stipulation? So yes, I, th- I believe it is. Yeah, so that's probably why they're trying to push it back to August. 
which would be an extra 60 or maybe days. The, or the cut as well, maybe could be a, an issue. Maybe September or something. Well, Toman Park in Limerick obviously makes sense. Frank Warren does have history of these stadium fights. You know, he put on Chisora and Hay, didn't he? Was that in West Ham's ground? Mm. And I think he put on Katsidis Mitchell as well. So it's not out of the question that he would try a big open air thing, which would make sense. But he does make, Frank Warren does work in mysterious ways as well. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, this That's is a polite way of all, well. I'm, I'm being very diplomatic here. I don't want to get a flipping letter through the post. But um, <laughs> the, you know, we saw Ormond uh, Flanagan in Wolverhampton. Was that the one in Wolverhampton? Yeah, was uh, it? Yeah. You know, I mean, it didn't seem to really make too much sense from any any angle. So could we see Lee against Saunders in, in London or somewhere? It's not. It's not out of the question. No, definitely not. It, you know, we're hopeful it's over here, but like you yeah. say, it could end up anywhere. Um, and I, I don't would it would it do a stadium in London though? No, I don't think so. so no, and it's a big fight. And um, well, if you could sell a twenty thousand in London, what's the point in coming to it? You know, from their perspective, mm. if they can get a twenty thousand, uh, the O2 is twenty thousand, is it? Stable? Exactly, yeah, that's what I mean. They can get though, the O2 yeah. in London for twenty thousand. Why would they bother bringing the the whole camera crew and everything that costs everything over to to Ireland to put on a stadium gig? It's probably going to only sell twenty thousand as well. So maybe you're thinking atmosphere and and all no, that. No, they take the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're yeah. thinking of the TV brand the way I, I think Sky do. Like they love their atmospheres. Even trying to make out the Josh Warrington atmosphere was better than a Frampton or whatever. But uh, <laughs> on the weekend, um, but. Um, so I could I'm just speculating. It could be that they, you know, they want a, a better TV product, and the atmosphere will be, will definitely be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so. But like you were saying, Derek, that would be the fear I'd have. You know, they'd have no qualms about putting it in the XL or the O2 or in the Copper Box or one of these type of places. I heard they had a good time in Wolves for the armour fight. <laughs> Does anybody have a good time in Wolves? I don't know. <laughs> you wouldn't mind it there, Steve, would you? Ah, uh, no, I'm happy enough where I am, thanks very much. If you ever go to Wolverhampton, Johnny, you'll know why I'm why I'm over here. <laughs> but all joking aside, say the Saunders fight doesn't come off, I mean, you mentioned there's maybe a defence for Lee in the interim. Last night, some people were saying to me that perhaps a, a Quillen rematch, if the money was right, we know that if Al Heyman wants to, you know, dip into the old checkbook, he's not afraid to. Is that a viable proposition, or does anybody speculate if Saunders doesn't happen, who who Lee could fight? I think both both uh, Quillen and Lee said they they would they would have the the rematch. I think Quillen said though he wouldn't want to have it in in Ireland, um, and especially like you can't see if if he's an Al Heyman fighter that he's gonna probably allow him to come over here if, if Al Heyman is looking to put on his shows and uh, on on NBC and that type of thing. So um, I think the likelihood of it happening is slim, but you know down the line it could definitely happen if you know we're talking probably a year down the line if Lee beats Billy Joe or whatever like that and. Um, then Johnny was speculating we could have a, a Lee Spike fight or, or something like that. But you know, you could. Uh, I don't think to be um, too many people complaining about seeing a rematch because it was an interesting fight, and especially because it was a draw, you'd like to see someone come out the winner next time. So I, I, I don't think it'll happen in the short term, though. I, I, I would doubt. I think I, I wouldn't be too um, confident that there'd be an immediate rematch. I'd love to see Lee Cotto, Um to be honest, yeah. that, that, but as I'm not sure as Lee has suggested or Freddie Roach has even suggested that he feels Lee is too big and too strong for Cotto. Yeah, Cotto, I don't think he's going to fight it at middleweight. I mean, he didn't even win the title on the, the middleweight yeah, sort yeah. of limit, did he, or something like that? It would be great to get a, a, 
you know, future Hall of Famer on the on the record, um, and that'd be a massive, massive fight. But for for us, I suppose, you know, people were saying, oh, I would have liked to see Lee Patrick Nielsen in in Dublin, but I think it's better he's gone. He's he's raised his profile massively. He's proven world class beyond doubt. You know, with the with the result against Quillen. Um, and dropping Quillen, um, I'd love to see him now come back, uh, beat Billy Joe in in Tom, and then probably from a more selfish viewpoint, it'd be better for Irish boxing. You know, you definitely get Spike will get a chance against Eubank. You'll definitely have more. Your Burnett will get a a fight on the undercard, and probably then a few other um, local lads. So you know, it'd be a great Irish event. Mm-hmm. Matthew Macklin fights in May in Birmingham. Nobody other than me right now throwing his name into the mix. Is, is, too is that still going ahead, Lee? Because that was supposed to be on the Frankie Gavin headline oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, Joshua's top of the bill. Joshua's oh. jumped in, hasn't oh, he? Oh, Joshua's top of the bill now. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. A lot. Obviously, Macklin has a lot of questions to answer in his, in his, to himself. I think I listened to an interview with him recently where he says he, he needs to find out himself whether he's still capable of that level, and he'll know after he fights on. On May the ninth, um, you know whether to hang up the gloves or not, and or if he goes out and puts on a convincing performance, um, he could be potentially back in the mix. Like because I think Lee would fancy that fight now. I don't think he maybe fancied it too much a year ago, but I think he definitely would fancy a lot more now because people would think that Macklin's on the way down, and it would have been an easier fight for him uh, than it would have been a year or two ago. But I don't know whether Macklin has a lot to offer. I was kind of of the opinion last year when he when he got beaten last year that he could have been just burnt out from being in camp uh, over and over again last year. And uh, you know we, we'll find out more, I suppose, on May the ninth when we see what type of performance Macklin puts in. And Eddie would stump the money for that fight big time. There's no problem. Eddie would would definitely try and make that fight and and stump up the money. Um, in in Dublin, do you think in the not the O2? What do you call it these days? Um, ooh, the points, pro, the pro park. He'd be looking for. Uh, ah, <laughs> it'd, it'd be be bigger, bigger than three three arena, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, eighty thousand. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, with Mac, you know, with, uh, I don't know Macklin's current state. I mean, you have to wait and see, Steve. But uh, like, if, if you're talking Macklin's current state, but if he's making Frankie Gavin, Kel Brook fairly lively, like I, I, I think he thinks he could make it and sell it. Fair point, I can't even argue with that. um, And I think Macklin would be able to sell it along the lines of, uh, you know, any interview you you do with him, he's fairly, you know, respectful of Lee, but he he said, you know, he likes to point out that Lee struggles with with pressure fighters on him, um, you know, and he's, you know, he said, you know, he had to pull out the equaliser twice when he was under pressure, um, and, you know, I think he'll sell it along them lines. I won't give him the room to to box, um, and, you know... And the rivalry is there, and it's Limerick, Tipperary, and yeah, Crow Park. <laughs> Here we come. <laughs> Wolverhampton Civic Hall, nobody knows. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, before we move on then, just throw one final name into the mix. Lee was close to fighting Golovkin at one point. Is that something, if Golovkin gets past Willie Munro, which I'm sure he will, something that could be on the agenda oh, again? Oh, please, no. Like, I've I, I I seen an interview with, with Andy um, last week where he, he mentioned Golovkin, but I think like any fighter that mentions Golovkin I think is crazy. You know, I, I, I really do. I, like. I I wouldn't fancy Andy's chances uh, of going too long with Golovkin with the power that he has. Uh, that's just my opinion. I know I don't know whether I don't mind seeing a Golovkin fight. Like I don't mind seeing Lee test himself against Golovkin, but I wouldn't like to see that as the next fight. If, if no. that makes sense. So let's be Billy Joe, have a big night in Limerick, 
and then whoever you want to fight, you know, and take whatever money you need to, you know, you've served us well and we're happy enough, if that makes sense. Well, and then go out and lose against Golovkin. Well, give him a go and, and take him off. Yeah. And if you lose, fair enough, you know, you fought the best and you went, you won a title and you went and you fought the best and, you know, if you give him a go, well then, or, and if you, well, I, I, <laughs> no, you, that, that's a good point, actually, though, Johnny. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. That's a good point because I think um, Golov, fighting Golovkin is like a free pass. It's almost yeah. as if you know you, you're going to lose to Golovkin. As long as you don't take too much of a bad beating, you go in there, you can sort of lose to him, and it doesn't harm your credibility any. It's like a bit like the Quillin fight on Saturday night with no belt. It's like you've sort of got plenty of options because, well, you know, it doesn't matter whether you lose to Golovkin because everybody loses to Golovkin. So, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Would you like to see the Golovkin fight? <sighs> I think so. I'd like to. I'd like to see Lee get past Saunders first, and then whenever he's looking at after that, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to see him fight Golovkin. Or m- maybe Martin Murray, if, but Murray's apparently moving up, isn't he? I'd, I'd say. Yeah. If, I'd say if if it was on if a title was on the line against one of them, he'd he'd go to middle. He said he'd fight Macklin at middleweight, so um, that'd be another interesting one, another big one, I think, and probably one that'd be easy enough to make too. They seem to get on. Uh, I know Murray and Macklin don't seem to get on, but uh, Lee and, and Murray seem to get on, and Murray's always spoke very highly of Lee. It'd be a shame, wouldn't it, for all those fights pass us by? I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but you've got Lee, Murray, Macklin. You've got Barker. Remember, Barker was going to yeah. fight Macklin on that Magnificent Seven card, and Barker pulled off injured. Mm. So we're pretty much not going to have any of them fighting each other. I think there's still potential, Steve, definitely. like you know, I think potentially you could have Lee Macklin uh, for... if. For example, um, Billy Joe doesn't uh, take the Lee fight. Why not throw Macklin in there? It's, it's a sellable fight. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you're looking to make money um, and Macklin comes through May 9th um, and puts in a good performance, you can easily sell Lee Macklin again. It's not that, like Macklin has a loss on his record last year, fair enough, but you can you can hype that up enough again um, to, to make it a sellable fight on, on Sky Sports or on Box Nation or, or anything like that. It's easily doable, you know, so... Um, I wouldn't totally rule that one out. I think boxing's a strange thing. I always go back to the point last year. Andy was down fighting um, at light middleweight, no no hope of a of a title shot, and then within a few months he was world champion. Like so, strange things can happen in boxing, and I think I wouldn't rule out the Macklin fight. Stranger things have happened. And it's great yeah. we're talking about Lee beside Golovkin, and then even these domestic fights. And I think we're in a good position at the minute. And let's say it again, it's great to have a two world champions at the minute. And uh, been able to to talk. What are we half an hour talking about Lee now? Like it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. No, it certainly is. No, I can definitely see. Um, fair play to Andy. I suppose we're all unanimous in that sentiment. Anyway, he was he was putting a great performance on Saturday night, and whatever he does next, we'll be we'll be looking forward to it. Um, just very briefly, did anyone see the Garcia Peterson fight? The headliner. Any thoughts on that? Robbery. <laughs> do you think so? Do you think Peterson think did enough? Peterson done enough in the second half of the of the fight. Um, in the four, again in the first half, he he was kind of a bit static and and didn't do enough. But in the second half, I thought he actually looked uh, phenomenal in the second half. No, I know he was showboating a little bit and he was, but um, Garcia looked very drained in the second. He looked so small, didn't yeah. he? Compared to Peterson, he was being bullied around the ring, and that's like even even while Peterson wasn't thrown, it looked like he, he looked. I don't want to make comparisons to Golovkin, but you know the way Golovkin can bully a fighter around the ring by stalking him around the ring. I thought Peterson was doing something similar with Garcia, just kind of walking him down, and he just looked so imposing. And every time he threw, then he he looked like he had the potential to hurt him. So 
Um, I was I was quite surprised by the result. I was I was saying at the time, Jesus, we might have two draws in the same night here because it looked like it potentially could have been a draw, but I would have shaded it for Peterson. But to be get, to give it to Garcia, I think by was it two or three rounds the, the judges gave it to him for? Yeah, I think it was. It was very, it was very narrow. He hasn't looked very good in his last few fights. I thought he lost to Mauricio Herrera that time yeah. in Puerto Rico, and then he had that farcical fight against Rod Salka. And I mean, this fight last night was get at uh, on Saturday night was 143 pounds, and then he said after the fight he would be happy to fight Marcus Madonna, but Madonna would have to get down to 144 pounds. <laughs> I mean, is he just making up these weight classes as he goes along or something? <laughs> I think it. it it, it kind of states like you can win four rounds. It, you can win by one punch, or you can batter a fellow up for the round. It's still the same sort of score for a round. So, whereas Peters won his round more convincingly, Garcia did bank a few rounds early on. They weren't as convincing. Um, there were clear rounds for him, but he he hadn't got uh he hadn't got Peterson in the same amount of trouble. But a round is a round. Like if if you win a round, we're probably saying you know it was robbery in terms of. Because Peterson destroyed him down the stretch, but they, Garcia did win his fair share of rounds, and it was a close fight if you look at it that way in terms of just rounds rather than mm-hmm. who who looked marked up and who looked the prettier at the end. Mm-hmm. Now you make a good point there, Johnny. I remember in the first uh, Bernard Hopkins Jermaine Taylor fight. Jermaine Taylor won the first eight rounds narrowly. There was nothing in it, really, because Bernard Hopkins barely did anything. And then Hopkins came on strong for the last four. He had Taylor in a lot of trouble. He, he had him really badly hurt in the last couple of rounds. But there were only ten, nine rounds. Mm. So even though, despite all that, you know, if you win eight rounds small but lose four rounds big, if there's no ten eights or anything, then you've lost the fight. Yeah, good point, yeah. So that's what so, happened. <laughs> yeah, well, so exactly. So that's pretty. That's pretty much. I'll, I'll make the argument for you, Johnny. I don't know if that was what you were saying, anyway. But <laughs> you know, but that's uh, that, that's fair enough. No, that was. Um, it was a good card. There was a good win actually on that undercard for another one of our fellas. Ryan Burnett, we spoke on recent podcasts about Ryan. Now that he's he's hooked up with Adam Booth, he's obviously getting the fights. Um, he won in one round of a scheduled six rounder against the guy Stephen McIntyre. Now I didn't see this, and if you guys did, it was a body shot. Apparently, yeah. was it that did the damage? Just saw the finish where he, you know, he, he I think he threw a right hand or an uppercut and kind of opened up for the body. By all accounts, your man was on the was on the deck for ten minutes after they, yeah, they had yeah. to roll him out of the ring. It was such a good shot. Um, but what a great way for Ryan to, to to catch a bit of the spotlight over there with you know. In America, with you know some big names hanging around, and I don't know who was in the the place to watch. I think Kev Bourne is over there. I think he said there, yeah, was, Kev there was, was two yeah. or three people in the stadium, maybe. But you know, it's a, a good opportunity for him, and he done what he had to do over there. And it, he certainly looks like he has power at that at that weight. I think that That's that could eight, be six knockouts now, is it? Or eight, eight fights, and I think it's seven KOs, as far as I'm aware. Steve, I could be wrong on that, but. I, I haven't got the record and in front of me. And a couple of early ones as well. Like any time he's he's been in the ring, he's impressed, and I think really wanted to look out for over the next maybe twelve months or so. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering whether they expected that kid to take him a few rounds, but it does no harm to get a win, especially on a big American card. So if Andy Lee's obviously going to get another big fight, we're hopeful that Ryan will be able to tag along as well and get get a big fight of his own. Um, not not quite as glamorous as uh, New York, New York. Kevin Byrne uh, 
obviously uh, did okay getting over there. He, he could have been in Leeds at the first direct <laughs> arena. Now, I don't know if you boys saw this one on Sky. Um, the, the atmosphere was, was interesting. I think there was beach balls flying into the, ra- the ring of the main event. There was two-minute rounds. There was four-minute rounds. That was in the Josh Warrington main event. There was a look super at- flyweight holding his arm against uh, uh, Fedaway. He, he doesn't punch very hard, does he, Warrington? I mean, t- to be fair to him... Well, but, uh, he has a win over Lindsay, so he must be decent, because like, Lindsay's certainly a good operator, but when you're watching that, you think to yourself, you really would love to see Pajo Hoyland get a shot at him. Well, I mean, that's probably why the fight hasn't happened. I mean, I'd fancy Pajo to win that one. Yeah, and how did he... I didn't see her, I, I, I can't recall the Lindsay fight. Like, Was Lindsay off... It was on a Wednesday night or something, wasn't it? Was it? What, I think it was on a Wednesday night on Sky for some reason. I can't even. I don't even remember seeing it myself. But it was unorthodox. I don't think it was a usual weekend fight that one. But, so maybe that's why we missed it. Well, they're, they're trying to build up the Selby fight, but I don't think he. I don't think he's anywhere near the quality of Selby. No, Selby looked huge, didn't he, against yeah. Lindsay? He's, he's an absolute monster. Warrington just doesn't punch hard enough to keep him off. Yeah, big time. And Selby, in fairness, Lindsay shipped a lot of big punches off Selby, and Selby took one or two decent left hooks back. But you know, for if Lindsay was, you know, probably British level sort of flag bearer, and could have went to European, and maybe would have, you wouldn't have argued at one stage if he if he would have got a world title shot like. Um, Selby looked class against him. I think Selby destroyed Warrington. But Selby's fighting Gradovich, I think, on May the 30th, isn't he? And then, providing he wins that one on that pay-per-view card, then I'm assuming they're going to put Warrington in with him. Uh, Warrington Highland would be good, but Warrington Marco McCulloch would be a good fight as well, but that's not going to happen either, I don't think. <laughs> that's definitely not no. going to happen. Would you uh, negotiate that one, Steve? I would I would be happy to negotiate that one. I would prefer Marco to be sort of going that route than he's sitting at number two or number three, didn't we say before, for Lomachenko. I'd, I think I'd push him the Warrington route myself. No, I'd love to see that fight and it'd be a great chance for, for Marco, but I just can't see that one happening either. I can't see Eddie giving a Cyclone fighter a, a shot, if you want to put it that way. No, never. Unless yeah. Quig Frampton gets made, and then yeah. because you know, the sort of we're building bridges on the main event, why not build bridges on putting their fighters together on the undercard? Yeah. Well, fanciful thinking, is it? Am I living in utopia? No, or I think you're probably right. If 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 Quig Frampton does happen, then of course you'd see, um, you'd see matchroom fighters on there, and you'd see you'd, you'd have to see um some cyclone fighters on there. So potentially that's where like that could be that could be main main undercard or main support mm. you know one of you know a big it's a big enough fight i suppose well, if you yeah. made that fight could you make it in the stadium then with warrington's 10,000 and frampton's 10,000 jesus well it's, it's possible <laughs> But the only thing I would say, though, with McCulloch being so highly ranked with the WBO, would they be, you know, concerned about risking him? And the fact that Warrington was fighting for like a WBC sort of international thing, they're pushing him that route. How highly ranked is McCulloch with the WBC? They might argue we're pushing him this particular safety first route. Obviously, they wouldn't put it that way. Is it worth putting him in against a guy like McCulloch who isn't high up in the WBC rankings? It maybe wouldn't make sense to. I mean, because don't forget, like you said, Warrington is a massive ticket seller. He is like Ricky Hatton in terms of his ticket selling abilities, so they wouldn't be too keen to get him bumped off. I don't think that easily. Yeah, but I think this is where we probably got a, got a bit of stick on the cipher. One story where someone was saying, "Oh, you know, we weren't calling them out that way," or you know, don't be 
call, we're not to be calling out via sites or whatever. But I think this is where boxers have to sort of pipe up, and if McCullough put a bit of media pressure on on Warrington and Pajo the same, like and you know he's afraid of me, he's this, he's that, and put it out there and get English fans questioning, you know, his opponents, and that's where I think. Sometimes you have to do as a fighter, you have to sort of put yourself out there. And I think maybe Stephen Armand is just as nice guy, sort of calm approach, probably suffered a little bit by not calling lads out previously. Whereas you see his gym mate, Timsey, called the world and his mother out and could get a fight with, you know. And then once, you put the, once you plant the seed in, in fight fans' minds, then fights instantly become more exciting. And, you know, there is a there is a desire for them that translates up to the promoters and they there is a bit of pressure to make them. Now, whether they can cope with excuses not to make them, but I think uh, it's not Marco's kind of style, but you probably should name drop Warrington a bit and say, I'd love that fight. And, and I know Paggio has said that Eddie's afraid to put him in with him, which is a good line, and maybe they should try and pump it more. Mm-hmm. Well, as Cormac Campbell used to say, you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Some things never change on irishboxing.com then, because I remember back a few years ago whenever Cormac was editing, and I remember creating a sort of Mexican standoff myself between Jamie Conlon, Luke Wilton, and Kieran Farrell. Yeah. Shows how long it was, you know, trying to get them to fight, and none, none of them fought each other, so... You know, but like you say, you've got to stir things up a bit sometimes and get thing, try and help get things moving, because, I mean, we don't particularly always like the trash talkers, but you've got to sort of put your name out there as well and have a bit of confidence, a bit of brashness to try and force the promoter's hands on the on these contests. And it doesn't have to be tra- too much trash talk either. Just say, look, we want that fight. They won't get in touch. And you can do it in a, you know, obviously they don't want, you don't have to be saying Warrington's this, that and the other and I hate Leeds, like, to try and get that fight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want to be saying that. <laughs> up, do a, what do you call it? A street show leads in a United jersey or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, well, good job John O'Carroll didn't do that on Saturday night anyway, before before his win over Carlos Perez. That was a that was a points win, six round points win. Actually, did anyone see the John O fight? What what did you make of his performance? He, he did what he had to do, didn't he? Yeah, I thought like I think John O said afterwards himself. Um, Perez was a bit of an awkward opponent. He kept on holding his right hand every time he tried to get in close to him. And um, I think John O admittedly started off a little bit slow, but as the fight went on, he looked like he looked very comfortable going six rounds. And I think he said after himself, if he had. He would have preferred to go eight, and he probably would have stopped it when an eight. I think he was coming into it more. He was kind of landing a bit more um, as the fight went on, and it was a good performance. Like obviously, for him to be on TV, um, he got a great reception there as well. Like so, it was a good performance all round. Uh, nothing spectacular. There was no, you know, no fireworks or anything like that. But done a good job and, and boxed well. So I'm sure um, because of the prize fighter win, he's going to get lots more opportunities to be on TV as well. So. Um, it's brilliant for John Owen. Yeah, yeah, and he makes the effort on TV with a Rick, Rick Flair whooping beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it all adds to the profile. And I think he, I think he, he suggested it was a bit of ring rust, but I, I get the feeling you know Pascal doesn't mind them. You know, in them fights, just getting your wins. You know, box Roy getting your wins. You don't have to take massive risks. Not that this fella posed too much of a threat, but he was awkward and he was tall and. I think there was always a chance of a head clash, so John did what he had to do, and when he did close him down and let go, he does look physically strong at the way. Um, I think maybe uh, uh, Jim Watt was alluding to, you know, he leads with the with the left hand or the back hand a bit, maybe mm. control a bit more jabbing, but you know, you have to take into account it's he's had basically three fights, surprise fighter, and then this fight, you know, so 
Yeah, he's still a bit of a novice, yeah. isn't he, really, in real terms? And in terms of where he is, career-wise, as a novice, he's, you know, he's perfectly positioned. You know, now learn your trade a little bit more, and you know, he's done the hard work to get the profile. Now he can, he's earned a couple of fights where he can just bank the rounds and you know, win without having to you know, make massive, massive statements. And I think he, Do you think he could replicate the sort of Willie Casey route? Um, obviously, Willie had, had well, I don't know, had Willie had a few more fights than John, I'm sure he had, when he won the prize fight. I, I wouldn't think it would be too, too much. Not too many, no, though. But, and, he, and he won, you know, he got in the prize fight. Didn't he go to, to Canada and knock out Tyson Cave? He knocked out Tyson Cave, and he was in the prize fight as a substitute originally, wasn't he? Okay, someone else yeah. dropped out. Wayne McCullough. What was it for McCullough? Yeah, was it? for Wayne McCullough, yeah. So and and he, he grabbed his opportunity and like that, he's like John, he's a bit of a character and he made the most of it too. And people gravitate gravitated towards uh, Willie. Um, um, but you know, then it all sort of went pear shape after the Rigan though fight. So you know, John could learn lessons from that. And I was talking to Willie in in Limerick as well, and he was saying, you know, especially now it's important to for John to make the right career choices. And I think. You know, he'd be looked after by Matchroom, and it's great that he's going to have Sky. What you know, he's going to have some fights where you're learning trade fights, and they'd be shown live on Sky. You can't get much better than that, like while you're at this stage of your career. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Um, we're we're going to finish out today on Carl Frampton uh, on today's podcast, but before we do, we'll go around the houses and clear up a few little bits of business. Uh, Johnny. I believe one guy who's strutting his stuff uh, on the other side of the world, Dennis Hogan. He's done most of his business in Australia. We haven't seen pretty much anything of him as a professional over here. But he's going to be fighting in America, Massachusetts, at some point in the future. He's fighting this Saturday night. Um, He just got bumped into the IBF light middleweight top 10. uh, Yeah. This week. And this fight is now being made for, is it the USA NBA title? NABA is that the WBO is that WBO affiliated one or is that the USBA we'll not get bogged down in that anyway but he reckons if he wins it that he'll he'll have a ranking there too so you know victory for him is uh, really bump him up the rankings and you you could see him getting a world title shot with those rankings Um, um, he's fighting a Tyrone Bunsen I think has 22 knockouts um, and 21 of them or 20 of them have come in the first round but uh, I think if you survive the first round, well then he's he's fairly, he's fairly beatable. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be he'll be all right. Yeah. Which 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 cards that on actually is that? I think on? he's topping the bill. Like his promoters have really got behind him and 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 done him well. Like he won uh, the Queensland title, then he won the Australian, then he won the Oceanic. Um, he fought in America before Christmas, but your man was disqualified for holding, so they were kind of frustrated. He didn't get to show what he what he could do. Um, and the hope, and now this time, you know, he has a big support in Australia. That that will translate to America. Um, and uh, there's talks of him, like you know, Anto Fitz looking to fight him, and maybe a fight with D Walsh. But uh, I think they have they have a world title route sort of planned out for him, and they're, they're going to try and take it that way. Yeah, I think they sort of avoiding the dem- no, not avoiding, but you know, they go they are going a different yeah. route, like you say. And you'd expect in Massachusetts him to get some. Some good support as well. Uh, um, staying around that sort of light middleweight, middleweight sort of region, 
Eamon O'Kane had a press conference there in the Derry area recently. He was announcing the undercard. We've got James Froyers, Ray Ginley's on it, Luke Watkins, who's an English boxer. I'm not particularly aware of him. Eamon was laying out his what was going to happen on May the 2nd before the Mayweather-Pacquiao uh, fight came on. I think Eamon said that he, they were going to be the, the warm-up fight to Eamon's main event, maybe. Or <laughs> some, some, somebody said something like that. He's, he's fighting this guy, Lewis Taylor, um, just briefly, Derek, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. We don't really know too much about Taylor. He doesn't seem to be a puncher anyway. Uh, I don't actually know an awful lot about Lewis Taylor. So no, me neither. I know like we were, we were, we've spoke about this before. We thought it was going to be uh, a World Title Eliminator, but it's, he is ranked, I think he's ranked 15, Taylor, as far as I'm aware, in, in the IBF, is he? He's if I thought it was fourteen, but you could oh, be right. Uh, no, but it's, it is ranked in and around that that top fifteen region anyway. So yeah, like it's potentially you know it could be you know another another fight that takes aim and closer to a world title fight. Um, it would be nice to see that again. We do we throw him into the mix with the likes of uh, Lee and and all those people. Like you know nobody mentions them when when we're talking about Lee and. And uh, any of those people are spiker and like that, but we we could see that down the line as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know an awful lot about Lewis Taylor, so I'll have to wait till yeah. I see him on the night. And it's good to have yeah. a card in Derry, isn't it? And you know, some Froyers and Ginley, Ray Ginley's coming back on the card, and James Froyers who impressed us last time out, um, fighting, and then Paddy Fitzpatrick back over. It's a high profile. Uh, coach, and then I think Luke Watkins is looking was looking to fight for the Irish Cruiserweight title, so. We might claim him via the granny rule as well, Andy Townsend too. <laughs> Who would they put him in with if he if he did? I think um, he, he was looking to fight Sweeney, and but Sweeney couldn't take it. Um, um, I'm not sure what what's where Ian Thames is on the on the terms of come back from injury, but yeah, I think he's a long way off, isn't he? Um, so, uh, but yeah, but, but I think they were looking for that, those fights, but they kind of weren't able to make them. So he's he, he's just coming over to fight, and maybe he'll. He'll do an L call out job and he'll insult Timsey or Sweeney and we'll, it might be a big enough fight down the line. But Colonel Carmichael, yeah. maybe. That's a good shout. I never even thought about Colonel yeah. Carmichael. That 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 would be a good one. It'd be nice to see the undercard fill out a bit, though, wouldn't it? With some, uh, We've got a couple of four-rounders on at the moment, but it'd be a time is sort of ticking. We'd like to see a few more names added on, which uh, I'm sure we will. Was Paul Quinn added to it as well? Oh, someone said Paul Quinn, but uh, is he on box right there, Steve? I haven't got boxing oh, right. in front of me now. But, him, but he wasn't at the presser, but I, I heard... He was originally down to fight on the Dublin show on May 4th, but I heard a rumour that he might be fighting on the Derry show. And, um, He's not a bad ticket seller either, Paul Quinn. No, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought I thought he might turn up on the Dublin one, actually, because he's fought on Alio shows yeah. before, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he was originally scheduled for the Dublin one, but we were hearing then that he might be on that card, but nothing confirmed. So either or he's fighting May the 4th or 2nd. So, um, good yeah. to see him back, too. Definitely, definitely is. Johnny, I believe you've got a World Series of Boxing update for us. I hope you have anyway. <laughs> I do now. Uh, no, uh, uh, Stephen Donnelly won the weekend, but he, he can't qualify. Um, I think he needed to win by the five points um, to stay in touch with the top two. Um, and I think he won by a split decision. It was supposed to be a cracking fight. Um, so he probably has to go the more traditional route now. Um, I just We got on to him today to get a couple of words up, but... Um, I haven't seen what he responded yet, so um, I'm not sure. We probably have more news on the site about Stephen and what 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 he plans to do. Because I think he was talking about going pro earlier in the year, wasn't he? He was, yeah. I think he yeah, was caught so, in a couple of promoters at one point. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what 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 he does now. Um, but you know, he, 
he was on, he's undefeated in the WBS. He just didn't get them, didn't get the the five point wins all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, I think he the two boys were on twenty nine. He needed five points to go level with them, and then the, the two boys on twenty nine fight each other and whatever you know. Just hope that one wins handily, and he would have got one of the top two points or two slots. And um, but you know he goes into the last day of the thing, and he, he the I think it's the last fight now coming up, isn't it? And he's not qualified. Um, I heard Michael Condon's fate is out of his own hands too as well now, so which would be disappointing. Yeah. So I mean, what 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 do you think? Oh, I suppose there's nothing he can do really, is yeah, it? Just keep well plugging away. Winning, yeah. Um, but there is like the other routes, isn't there? The more traditional routes they can go. Yeah, yeah, they're they're still open to them. So I mean, all's not lost at the moment. No, no, but it, I think you know as we've learned over the years, like with Joe Ward and and. Maybe Kenny in the earlier years, they're not always the the most predictable of routes. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny, thanks very much. I must plead ignorance on that one, um, the, the old WSB. But you did it. You did it. You did a great job for us. Well, I'll, take, I'll take your word on a few of the things for that. But but thank, thanks very much anyway for for clearing that up. Like I said, uh, we'll close out today. Uh, we couldn't get through an Irish boxing forum without a bit of Carl Frampton chatter and. I, 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 don't believe. I'm sure we haven't had a pod since the old uh, Eddie and Scott Quigg were on Twitter with the check. The, the saga rumbles on. I don't know who wants to jump in first, but at the moment, I mean, is it going to be July the 18th? T- time's ticking on, isn't it? If it if it doesn't get made for that soon, then where does it leave us? I I, I said at the time when I when I seen Eddie come out with the check and all that, I thought that doesn't you know it doesn't look good. It's it's it seems like a last ditch kind of attempt because it seems like negotiations have totally broke down there and. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, it was like Carl said, it was a bit of a publicity stunt, but maybe it's what he needed to do as a publicity stunt mm-hmm. to kind of try rescue it and somehow. But I'm become very, very skeptical that we'll see that fight happening this year. And then if we don't see it happening this year, I don't, I don't know whether it's ever going to happen. You know, but you know, the 1.5 million offer was pretty pretty crap when you think about it. Like, I know it, it sounds like an awful lot of money and, it, you know, a lot of people would go, Jesus, a million and a half, how would you turn that down for a fight? But if potentially that's a, a pay-per-view fight that generates 12 million, um, one and a half million is not a lot of money out, out of 12, like if you're the, the, the main man with the with the world title, you know? So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very sceptical that we'll see it happening, Steve. I, I don't know what your opinion is, uh, but I, I would be really surprised that that fight happens this summer. Well, I was thinking along the same sort of lines as you, Derek, although I was talking to another guy recently on another podcast, and he seems to think that the silence is golden, pretty much the way the Mayweather-Pacquiao thing transpired, mm. that uh, they're working away behind the scenes and the announcement will be imminent. And I'm not sure whether he's heard any insider knowledge or whether he's just assuming that, but... I'm hope, hoping that's the case because we really haven't heard anything. And then I suppose if they were talking behind the scenes, then why would there be the need to come out with the sort of the check, the gimmick? Was was that actually one and a half million straight to Frampton? That wasn't a split. Was that going to be? Was that what they're offering Frampton as his purse singular? I think that was for, for and because he, he kept saying, you know, I want to get this message to Carl. So I think that was the the one point five million for Carl, and and then. Scott was taking five hundred thousand and a percentage of the pay for pay per view or something along the lines, or or even just a percentage of the pay per view because they're saying he could come out with five hundred thousand or 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 less. I think um, so. That was a one point four, yeah, to Carl, and then Carl was saying, well, the 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 fight is going to make probably between eight and twelve million. So 
But then Eddie responded with, well, don't take the 60-40 split. So it's a real strange one. And, mm. you know, with Carl's following and even from our point of view, we'd be, you know, big fans of Carl and, and, you know, have a genuine affection for Carl. Eddie always comes out as, as the bad man in these things. And he always will be the, you know, he'll come over here and he'll promote a show in Dublin and we love him. But when he's... You know, putting one point five million in golden card, it gets stick from us, and that's just the way it goes. But he, like, you know, Cyclone, you know, do their business. They don't talk. They do it behind closed doors. You never get leaks. You never get stunts like this. Um, and you know, you have to respect that. And if that's the way they choose to do business, great. And it probably is the best way to do business. But in this case, when Eddie's coming out and saying A, B, and C, you'd love to to, to hear the counter arguments so you can really balance up you know who what is the right thing and what is the wrong thing or you know, in saying that we're always going to back Carl and you know I think Carl beats Quig fairly handily and I'd love to see that but when Eddie's saying you know it's 60-40 split we'll take that or yeah, why, there's obviously, well, obviously that's... something we're missing that we don't know you know why Team Cyclone you know don't want to fight and I presume it's, it must be a, a good reason but you just feel sometimes like come back and hit back and, and and, and let us know or let the public yeah. know so that well, probably, you're probably safe with it from Carl just because the following he has and that core passion and you know the people behind him that you know no one's ever going to get on his back and, and you know we won't get on his back to to, a, to any great degree um, but you'd still like to know the other side in terms of the negotiations it, to me it just seems it, it, it doesn't seem like a difficult fight to make 60-40 seems like a, a fair split to me Carl is the legitimate I suppose for want of a better word champion and and Quig is not so 60-40 to me seems amply fair like you're getting 20% more than you're or, you know so well, that's why I think there must be something else that we're missing in there if that makes sense it's not options or anything like, or, or is, it, is it the, prom- it's the promotion isn't it is it not the fact that Matchroom want to do the, all the, the singular the promotion themselves rather than a co-promotion is that not a sticking point yeah well yeah and I think but it, it came out and sort of said some sort of you know, sly digs about you can have Michael Buffer call out of your name if that makes you think. You know, these sort of these sort of things, and that's why you you just like to to know what are the sticking points. But I know, and in fairness to Cyclone, they've always been that way, and that's the way they do business. And, and fair play to the monitor. But when someone's coming out, you know, basically trying to put you down or saying you're the problem here, you're the problem there. This is the you know, you'd really love for. Five fans, you know, across the water, um, who to get the to to know what what's really happening and if that makes sense. Am I making sense? Uh, yes. No, I I understand what you what you're saying, Johnny. I think whenever you mentioned Quig's purse, there that was something else I was going to go on to. I think there was something slightly uncomfortable about the fact that he was standing there with Eddie, sort of grinning, holding this check for one and a half million when he's going to be getting paid a third of of that. Price yourself. I mean, is that just me or? I mean, I think, well, seems... I think there was, a, you know, there was the percentages on it. There was a. He, he was basically that was his guarantee portion. Then he was getting the percentage of the pay per view. So they were saying, oh, if it doesn't sell one fight, I'm only getting this. But if it sells twenty pay per views, I'm getting X amount. And if that makes sense. Oh right, so that's why he was grinning then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this it makes it a bigger fight. He's on live on Sky Sports, bandying about a check for one point five million. The people yeah. jumping off their seats, never watching the live, saying what? What? You know, like it makes it a bigger fight. Yeah, it's clever. It's clever from him because most people will think, Jesus, a million and a half. How could you turn that down for a fight? But when you look at it from Carl's point of view, when when it, the fight is going to generate an awful lot more money than that, 
you'd be mad to take a million and a half. And I can see why, if, if that's the stumbling point, from, if that's all the money that they're offering, then I can see the stumbling point, why Cyclone will be turning that down. I'm sure there's a few different things. I'm sure it's not just coming down to the 60-40 split. You know, the co-promotion probably is a part of a thing. But, um, and I don't know how you get over that. Like, if if Heron wants to promote it by himself and Cyclone want the co-promotion, if, there's, if they're at loggerheads there and there's nobody kind of... Um, well, compromising then how do you how do you kind of I don't think you can I don't think you can get over it because we'd be biased towards Carl uh, I suppose so what was the view of uh, and Cyclone so what was the view of the, on the other podcast they were on the, the offer and did they think it was gimmicky from here well uh, I think quite a few of them are sort of anti quite anti-matrium by their nature so they were sort of against her and you know, that's they've sort of were criticising Eddie's, Eddie's side of things, but I think there is a general feeling. Whereas we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, like you said, we're only getting the sort of publicity stunt or whatever with the check, but we're not getting it like a, a counter as such yeah. back again. So we don't really know whose side to take. But no, they were sort of an, of an anti-matchroom stance, but that is sort of. Uh, you know, based in deeper foundations, so I wouldn't really take too much, too much of that. When I say we don't know whose side to take, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm just saying that it, I'm kind of more frustrated that, you know, Eddie gets to say, and then, you know, British Foy fans would be saying, oh, Carl's afraid of him, and all the, I just like someone to hit back just for Carl's sake, not, and, you know, and we're not down the middle, I presume there must be, and just the way we know boxing negotiations go on, I, I presume there must be some sort of stumbling blocks that Eddie is definitely going to leave out, so, I would love Barry to come out and reveal those, if that makes sense, but they don't do their business like that, and fair play to them if that's the way they choose. It's going to be Sky pay-per-view, isn't it? I know it ITV was being talked about, but it's not It's not going to be on ITV, no, no, is it? It has to be Sky, well, Sky I know we, we previously said, oh, it would be great if it would be on ITV and all, but like at the end of the day, it is. It's a Sky pay-per-view fight. It's, it's one that can be hyped up an awful lot, um, and that was probably what was always going to happen, you know. It was As much as it would have been, like, it would be nice and... It'd be nice to be on terrestrial TV. It would it would make both of them superstars. But at the end of the day, money talks, um, and there's no way ITV were ever going to be able to stump up as much money as as a pay per view fight on, on Sky. So um, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, it is a business. And if you can make a, a heap more millions by fighting pay per view, you, you'd be crazy not to accept that. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it's a dangerous sport, and um, you might as well make your money while you can. And when Eddie says it has to happen now, he says it ha- has to happen now because he can't pick another bone for Scott Quigg. Like, yeah, before Quigg gets gets knocked yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it, it has to happen. So maybe there is some power in uh, in in Cyclone's court that way that they know like if if you, if, if you don't have this fight, you're not going to make money off him in the lo- as much money as off him in the long run as Carl is going to make in his career when he goes to America. And he's proved himself a, a sensational talent. Whereas, okay, Quig might improve, and some people say he improves all the time and he's big at the weight, but you just know by the opponents are picking and the performances he puts in. They're levels apart. They're levels apart. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned that, and I suppose to to wrap up, then one final question, Johnny, to you first. I mean, if this fight doesn't happen, where do you see the respective fighters? You know, we'll say Quig as well. Where do you see each one of them going? Which direction will they take? It's so hard. Who do you want them to take? <laughs> I, want them I want them to fight. No, it's it's so hard to call like, because you haven't even been kind of speculating for Carl, and um, maybe they have said Donair, and they have, you know, but he'd have to go to America and. What way would that work? Would would the Americans want options or uh, like? It's a whole another kind of yeah, words. Like, <laughs> you, you don't know, but 
Like there is big fights out there for Carr, but you'd like to see him to get over the quick force, make it, make himself secure financially. Knock, I think he knocks Quig out, and if he knocks Quig out after this like hype and publicity towards it, his profile goes through the roof again. Um, Leo Santa Cruz doesn't want to want to fight. Denair seems like a good fight. Um, you know, there's not not there's not the money in the rig and fight yet. Um, so maybe if I don't know, he probably could be nearly forced into to fight in Rigondeaux if this doesn't go ahead. Like in terms of, it's probably the easiest one to make in Belfast of a one of the big names. Like I can't see, I think Denair would change a fortune to come over, and Cruz isn't coming over, and but Rigondeaux can no. play fairly easily enough. Um, so let's just hope this fight is made and that they can sort out their their differences. Yeah, I think you can rule out Santa Cruz. Donair in America would be a good one. Rigondo would be made in Belfast pretty handily. Yeah. And as for Quig, uh, Derek, I don't know, maybe you'll go over, maybe fight Kiko Martinez. I know that Hearn and Al Heyman seem to have reasonable connections. That's never happened in state. I'm going to give me a prediction for Carl Come Sam, on. If the Quig fight doesn't happen. I think he's going to fight Abner Maris on a Premier Boxing Champion <laughs> um, bill in around August or September. But you heard it here first. I could live with that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a possible. Like it's, it's one of those. Um, we were talking about it earlier, myself and Johnny. We were saying about Denair, and I agree with Johnny there. It would cost a fortune to bring him here, um, like probably mega money. So realistically, the fight if he's going to have a big fight in against an American, it's going to have to happen in America. Um, and I think we isn't Mary signed up with Al Heyman, and I think. You know, yeah. potentially that could be a good kind of breakthrough fight for Carl in America just to kind of showcase him. And then I don't know where you go after that. Maybe Rigondeau back in Belfast or whatever. Um, I think the Rigondeau one would be very easy to make insofar as you, you could sell it. Um, you could sell it on ITV. You know, I don't mean sell it on pay-per-view. I mean, like, you know, you, you could you could hype it up on ITV. Carl fighting the, the you know, the best fighter in his weight in the, in the division. And um, good show, yeah. it, it would be it would be a big fight. Um, I don't know, it's difficult to see where they go. Uh, Quig, I don't know where Quig goes because I think if Quig takes any type of a step upwards, Akiko Martinez or any of those type of fighters, he kind of gets found out. So, And then Eddie can't really pitch him in against another kind of lower level fighting again because you know I think the fans will start to realise that he's he's not at that level. So I think if you see Quig Kiko or if you see Quig Galahad, Quig Galahad Eddie's basically... Accepted that the Fountain fight is never happening. Whereas if we see Quig against someone as the form as not the greatest, well then there's there's hope in the future. The thing is, Carl has options. He's got massive options, and like it's hard to know exactly what's next. But he's a genuine world class talent, and he you know he could go to America and certainly cause a storm. Um, and you know it, hopefully. You know, see, hopefully the quick fight is made so that we get to see more of him before he, he goes and you know and conquers America. I think actually that's a good show with the Kid Galahad. I think um, if the Frampton fight doesn't come off, Quig Galahad would be one that Eddie could sell well. Uh, you know, he could fight. hype that up that one up as a big kind of domestic battle. Um, so there's a fight for for Quig that could potentially come off. You know, you could easily sell that one. And I don't know, I haven't seen enough of Galahad to to know. Um, how you know? I think he could definitely cause quick problems. I haven't seen how. Like, Someone he, says he destroyed him in uh, in a sparring session. Yeah, so you know, I don't know how true that is. But like that, that Look, looks smaller, a lot smaller than Quig, though. I always think yeah. Quig's quite big, isn't he, for the weight? But I heard he gave him a, a, a going over in sparring. Now I don't know 
if it was sparing in the ingle gym was only body sparing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I know I don't know, but it, I think if you see a, a Quig versus Galahad or a Quig versus Kiko, I think then that's Eddie basically accepting that Frampton isn't going to happen. But if you see him against someone dodgy, well then there's hope for that fight in the future. Mm. Well, hopefully so. Hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, they'll have made fools of us, and the um, <laughs> the fight the fight will be announced for July the eighteenth in Manchester or whatever it is they're they're talking about. But I think we'll we'll leave it there. We've got our Carlfampton chatting at the end, and and a bit of Andy Lee at the beginning, and a few things in the middle as well. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks thanks ever so much for joining me as always, lads. It's been an absolute pleasure. We couldn't get Niall Doran wasn't able to join us tonight, but I know that I'll. Give it a mention, Niall has rebranded his website uh, from Doran's boxing blog to Boxing News and Views. So we'll, we'll give Niall a shout out there and you can find him over at the website or on Facebook or, or social media. Derek, as for you, uh, now I know you boys obviously are both irishboxing.com, but from your perspective, um, is Johnny a complete dictator? I mean, what's he, what's he got you doing this week on the website? <laughs> um, <he's> <laughs> Speak freely, Derek. Seriously, he's seriously cracking the whips, Steve. Um, I'm not getting a moment's peace, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of used to him at this stage, you know. It's, he is a, he's a proper slave driver, you know. I made him leave college, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> he's finished. Yeah, he's not, he hasn't got time to study for uh, his exams. I, I, he's I dropping out. I, I have to drop out of a course, Steve, that I have two months left and Johnny's at the crack in the whip and saying, come on, it's, it's, time, it's time to get working here, so this is right, I'll, I'll drop out here and I'll, I'll, I'll dedicate some more time to this website, you know? Well, fair play to you, you know, lads, you do you do an absolutely fantastic job, so you don't need me to tell you that, but it's, it, it, it is brilliant. Irish-boxing.com, if anybody who doesn't know already. But Derek, where can we find you on Twitter if anybody wants to uh, have a go at you or give you some praise? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Derek McKenna, uh, all one word, Steve. I, I, I tweet there regularly enough, unlike Johnny, who I'm still trying to crack the whip on him to get tweeting <laughs> on his Johnny Hips um uh, Twitter account these. I'm going old school, Steve. I'm going old school. I'm getting a typewriter out as well now. <laughs> it's hard enough to get him to text a message or anything like that, Steve. Jeez, like, I made him get an iPhone a while back, and Jesus Christ, he's still trying to learn how to use that a year on, so hard to get to use Twitter, you know? I sending the ravens out, but uh, Johnny, you're you're at Johnny Hips, yeah. obviously, and at Irish Boxing Com. What what's on the website this week that we should be taking note of? Uh, well, we're going to start trying to preview the the shows coming up. The the May the Fourth show, and you know, it's been fairly Andy Lee packed, um, and probably Carl Fountain packed the last couple of weeks. But going back to kind of, you know, covering the the domestic domestic and the the lads coming up and the prospects and things and it probably an interesting interview with Con Sheehan up during the week as well he's over in with Virgil Hunter just to see how he's getting on um, yeah. so I think that'll be over the next couple of days Great, that'll, that'll be a brilliant read. I'll definitely head on over and have a look at that. Uh, as for me, I've been Steve Wellings. You can find me over at irishboxingreview.com or on Twitter at irishboxreview. Uh, all the books are over there. You can download them for free or buy them on Amazon if you so wish. And uh, thanks for, for listening. And don't forget, um, if you can, we're on SoundCloud and we're on iTunes Hello? if you want to leave us. I'm still going. Can you hear me okay? You guys hear me okay, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Oh, flip, did I go missing? Yeah. I oh, sorry, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, I was just saying, you can find us on SoundCloud and on iTunes if you want to leave us uh, a rating or a review. That would be very much appreciated. And up on YouTube as well. So, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if that bit cut out or not, but I've been Steve Wellings from IrishBoxingReview.com and we'll catch you again in the future on the Irish Boxing Podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support, everybody. <laughs>